Evgeny Malkin is that much closer to staying in Pittsburgh. And yes, I know how ridiculous that sounds, and I don't care. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. On the same day that Gino and J.P. Berry, his agent, willfully leaked out to the public that they had informed the Penguins that they intend to test the NHL's open market when that begins tomorrow. The team, later that same night, signed Ricard Raquel to a six-year, $30 million contract, thereby reducing the team's remaining cap space to just $10.3 million. On the surface, it could not possibly appear that this would be a positive if you're one of those people who'd like to see Geno stay. If anything, it would appear, on the surface, that both the player and the team almost simultaneously drove their own respective wedges into the negotiations. I'm not buying it. Not from either side. Want to know how I see it? First, I want to reiterate, this time figuratively shouting from the top of Mount Washington that everyone with whom I spoke in Montreal associated with the Penguins, on the record, off the record, really high up, not so high up, all expressed significant optimism that this contract will get done. They also expressed, without any hesitation, without any qualifiers, a desire to bring Gino back. And from the other side, as you've heard yourself from his own mouth, Gino wants to stay. Very, very rarely, in my experience, covering such situations in professional sports, has this not resulted in an agreement. But agreements don't always get there at the very end without a hard push from one side or the other, or in this case, both. And that's what's happening here. From Malkin's perspective, he and his agent, understandably, I'd think, felt like they were backed into a corner. Gino had made clear his intent and his hope to stay. He did so again over the weekend with the text message that he sent publicly to Chris Letang after Letang's extension saying, boy, I hope I don't have to play against you now. That stance always left his side with no leverage or very little leverage. They were never going to have that leverage until somebody somewhere, most importantly Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, were to feel what it'd be like watching Gino hit free agency tomorrow. Knowing that out of 31 teams that are out there, it would only take one to knock his socks off and say, hey, you're our guy. You're our guy. We're ready to pay for you and to help us sell tickets in this half-empty arena ours or whatever the situation would be. Or to push us over for the Stanley Cup. 
That is not something the team ever wanted to encounter, as I've been reporting for months now. But that's at least in play now, and publicly so, and it does change the dynamic from the team perspective. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. So what's the Penguins' counter move on the big chessboard here? Well, remember when Hextall told all of us in Montreal that there'd be no real negotiations with any of his other potential unrestricted free agents until the Geno thing got sorted out. And when that subject had been broached with Hextall, the context was both Raquel and Evan Rodriguez. Well, guess who got done last night, coincidentally? Yeah, Raquel gets done. What do you know? The big remaining fish. The big remaining non-Geno fish. And he gets a pretty big couple of slices of the pizza that's left in the box. Now, never mind that Hextall and Burke still have other moves to make. As I've been saying all along, they're not about to make those moves until they can utilize all of this as leverage against Gino. In other words, you're not going to trade Marcus Pedersen or John Marino right now and cut payroll so that the Gino side can say, hey, you guys are suddenly swimming in cash. They're not going to do that. They're going to do that afterward. But by wrapping up Raquel, you know, and getting that cap down now, it's 10.3, and you know that there are still other players that have to be retained or you're not going to be able to field a full roster. That's a little more pressure in the other direction. Now, have you noticed in everything that I've described here that every action appears to be taken with an aim toward motivating the other side to do what? Right, to sign a contract between these two parties. The Penguins' motivation is to get Gino to sign, ideally at their terms. Gino's motivation is to get the Penguins to sign him, ideally at terms that are more favorable to him than what's currently there. I am going to continue insisting that this gap is so small, so insignificant, that based on how much both sides actually want the same outcome, there's no way it won't come together. If it takes an additional year, if it takes, let's say, five years and uh, $30 million, meaning five years at six per Obviously, that has Gino in the same or similar range to what Chris Letang, Brian Rust, and now Raquel have gotten. Not exactly, but right there. And it gives him that extra year and that extra money and whatever measure of respect he'd be looking for along the way. One year, that's five years from now, when these executives most likely won't even be the executives of this team, if you look at hockey history. There's no way in my mind that 
this doesn't result in a contract. And I believe it'll be a contract that occurs before Gino can go out to the free agent market. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Taylor Suick, who asks, plain and simple, what in the $5 billion for Raquel? Well, yeah, Taylor, what do you think he was going to get? I mean, he made three and a half over the life of the six-year contract that he had with Anaheim that just expired. And over the life of that deal, he was a remarkably consistent scorer either at 30 goals or 20 goals, depending on the season length and the quality of his line mates, which, of course, just kept deteriorating over his time with the Ducks. And there's value in that. This player is just about to turn 30. He is not going to get worse. And if anything, if you consider the kind of talent that he might be surrounded by in Pittsburgh, I'd say it's reasonable to expect that he'll be staying in that 20, 25, even 30 range for the foreseeable future. This is a really good hockey player, Taylor. I mean, you saw him. You know, you don't need me to tell you the kind of hands that he showed, the kind of playmaking ability that he showed, the vision for a winger. You know, you think of centers when you're thinking of guys that are making things happen where they get richly deserved second assists, but that's what he showed you. And on top of that, and this might be the strangest facet of Raquel's game, is that he's a net front guy. He does it a little bit differently than Patrick Hornquist used to here. Uh, He doesn't just charge there and have people beat the snot out of him. What he does is he turns around and kind of sticks his butt back into the goaltender and backs up. But even that, when he does it, it's with a purpose. It's not just to screen the goaltender, although that's a pretty nice side effect if you can get it. It's also because he's really, really good at tips and deflections. Now, for reasons that I'm still not 100% sure I understand, he didn't mesh all that well with Gino, And we can obviously carry that into a whole separate debate as to who he should be playing with because we've also seen that Rust works well with Gino and Raquel worked really, really well with Sid. But the bottom line is being a top six forward, whether it's a center or a winger, comes with value in the modern NHL. Every GM constructs his forward depth chart based first and foremost on who his top six are. There's no one anywhere in this league that would argue that Raquel is a top six forward. He is. I don't know of a single team in hockey in which he wouldn't be on their top six. So this is, I'd say it's the going rate, but it might be a little bit lower than the going rate. Particularly for someone who was on the precipice of hitting the open market. I believe that Raquel would have gotten more had he just been available to everyone for the same reasons that I lined up with Gino. You've got 31 other teams. A lot of them have a lot more cap space than Pittsburgh does. So the fact that this got done 
and it got done before he even went out there, supports what Raquel told us after Game 7 in New York, that he really enjoyed his brief time in Pittsburgh and felt like he was a good fit here and wanted to stay. But it also supports what I had been sharing with everyone from Montreal, that the Penguins really, really wanted to keep this player. This is a good contract. This is not one to fuss over. I appreciate the question, Taylor. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Maybe we'll have another one that's just as eventful as this one tomorrow. Tomorrow.